0: Hey, folks. Jeff Woods here. We wanted to let you know this month, The One Thing turned five years old. And to help celebrate this, we are launching an awesome new giveaway where we're giving away over $17,000 as prizes. And when you enter the giveaway at theonething.com slash giveaway, you will automatically join the community that we work with as we write our next book based on The One Thing and create The One Thing Planner. All you have to do is go to theonething.com slash giveaway. That's what the number one in the URL, enter your email, you'll automatically join us as we write the next book, create the planner, and you'll be entered to win over $17,000 in prizes. So pause the episode, go to the onething.com slash giveaway now because this giveaway is only going for a few weeks. So do it now and enjoy the episode. This is the One Thing Podcast where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name is Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing Team. Have you ever sacrificed time with your family or your health or spirituality or things in your personal life for your career? Have you ever told yourself the story that you had to work more hours to be successful and ultimately you ended up undermining the things that actually define what success really means to you? Today, you're going to hear a story of someone who fell into that trap. They thought that the path to getting everything they wanted required adding more things into their world rather than subtracting, simplifying, and focusing on the things that mattered most. As a result, he ended up working 100 hours a week and sacrificing time with his wife, and when his son was born, he got a massive wake-up call. You're going to discover his mindset, what led to the shift, and how he ended up going from working 100-hour weeks to working just 25 hours a week, all while making more money with less stress and being closer with his family. With that, let's get into this conversation with John Lamberton.
1: How did you come into contact
0: with the ideas of the one thing?
2: I picked up the book probably late 2014. It was recommended to me by one of my mentors. I'd already been implementing some of the ideas, but I didn't understand why I had, or particularly why they'd worked. If I could take you back to kind of the, the pivotal moment for me, I think it was um, my first child came along, and I was working prior to that about 100 hour weeks pulling all-nighters, just working harder, really. I, th- I think if I wanted to earn more money in my business, my answer to that was I'm just going to chuck more hours at it. I'm going to work harder than anybody else. And I remember sitting actually in a, in a car garage with um, my, my newborn baby at home. So he's about three months old at this time. And I'm reading an autobiography by Alan Sugar, who is the, uh, he's the UK's host of The Apprentice someone that I was aiming to emulate. I was looking to copy his business model. Um, I was looking to build the next uh, Amstrad is his business. I was looking to be the next Richard Branson. And I'm sat in this MLT garage and I read this one line in the book and it just, it hit me like a sledgehammer. It said, I wasn't really around much for my kids when they were growing up. And literally in that moment, I knew that everything I'd been doing for the last seven or eight years was completely wrong for where I was at that moment in time. I no longer wanted that $100 million business. I no longer wanted the the yachts, the helicopters, the supercars, the mansion, the country estate. I didn't want any of that anymore. What I really wanted was to be there for this kid, to be at every assembly, to be at every sports day, just to be there for him whenever he needs me.
0: For people who are listening to this, John, why were you working 100-hour weeks? What was going on in your business, businesses that required you or so you thought required you to to work that many hours?
2: Exactly. It is multiple businesses. And that, I think, is the crux of the issue. I mentioned Richard Branson just now. And that's, I think, the biggest issue is I saw myself as Richard Branson. Um, here in the UK, he is held up as the poster boy of British entrepreneurship. If you are in business and you aspire to be successful, you have to emulate Richard Branson. And unfortunately, that means that most people try and emulate him by owning a record company and an airline and a bank and a mobile phone company and a radio station. And then they try and take people into space. And that's what I was trying to do on a much, much smaller scale. So I had at any one time, up to about 30 businesses on the go, trying to do absolutely everything for all of them. So I was trying to do the PR for a travel blog. I was writing articles for a finance blog. And there were probably another 20 that I honestly could not remember to this day what they were. They were so insignificant. And they have literally paled into the annals of time um, and out to the end of my brain now.
0: I'm putting myself in your shoes I'm imagining I've got all these plates that I am struggling to spin. I've got to imagine that you're not mastering any of them. Then, then you have this massive aha that what really matters to you is being there for your son. And then you've got your wife saying, it's time to actually contribute and, and carry some of the water. you realizing you've got to go from 100-hour weeks down to, to 25. So what was that lead domino that led you down this journey to where you are today?
2: I think well, my wife will obviously take credit for being the lead domino, but for me, <laughs> and it she was would
0: be right, right? Wink, wink, exactly, nudge,
2: nudge. she would be. If she's listening to this, of course she's right. She's always right. <laughs> but for me, I think the the absolute lead domino for me was cutting out the crap that I was doing that wasn't actually contributing to the bottom line at all. I was incredibly busy. You know, um, I used to people say they work nine to five, and I was working nine to five but it was 9am to 5am and I was chucking the hours in and not necessarily focusing on the quality of those hours that I was putting in. The minute Mm. I've got a child on the case and I've got literally now my, my hands are tied. My hours are restricted. It's no longer, I'm going to aim to work 25 hours a week. It's now I can only work 25 hours a week. So something, something had to give
0: Well, let's get really tactical here because yours is an extreme case, which is why we're having this conversation. There are so many people that are listening to this that are failing to strike any sort of counterbalance between professional and personal. Their personal life is absolutely suffering, and they're really struggling to figure out how they do less on the professional side. What did you do exactly to go from a 9am to 5am structure down to 25 hours a week?
2: I think well, one of the first things we did was shut down a couple of those businesses. So we, we self-identified which ones were not giving us the best return on investment in terms of time. So no longer monetary investment, but let's look at it and say, okay, if I'm putting two hours a day into this business, and it's not really contributing that much, but actually I've got this other business over here that takes... 2 hours a week and contributes five times as much. Okay, let's lose the one that actually isn't giving us that return on the investment. The second thing we did was we got help. We got other people in to do some of the tasks that I no longer had time to do. And it was it was great to be able to go to my team and say not I fancy doing less, but I physically won't be able to do this next month. Next month Jack's going into nursery. I'm going part-time. And this is what needs to happen. This is what needs to change within our business. And therefore, I need you to look after this side of the business. I need you to do these tasks. And it was a lot more delegation. And I think also a lot of soul searching almost. Mm -hmm. So looking at what I was doing and thinking, okay, I need to evaluate the ROI that I'm getting on my time, let alone the time the business is spent.
0: You fast forward to today... Well, give us an understanding of what is, how different does life look like today? And then we can talk about the gap and how you actually got there.
2: Today, I've, I've probably gone so far the other way. I even call myself a lazy entrepreneur now because I honestly, I work 20 to 25 hours a week, reluctantly working 25, 25 hours a week. My ideal role would be sat by a pool, reading a Kindle book. That is you know, how far I've gone. I was a complete workaholic. My work was my life until the children came along. So they are now uh, Jack's eight and Harry's six, and they are now my life. You know, literally, I would say my life revolves around them. And that's a bit of a cliche, but it literally does. If you look at my weekly planner sheets, then I block out my time. And the first things I block out at the start of the week are, okay, school runs doctor's appointment for one of the kids there. I've got, there's an evening play we're going to here. That time is blocked out. That's protected first. Then the big stuff goes in for the business. So we then start blocking out the important stuff that's actually really going to make a difference. So my one thing is blocked out every single morning. Um, I do the school run, I come back, I do my one thing. That's now a routine. It's now a habit. It wasn't to begin with. And that was possibly (laughs) Um, one of the reasons I struggled originally was actually just yeah, I knew I could do it, but I could do it a day here, a day there. Actually making it so that I could hit it out of the park five days a week, four weeks a month. Uh, that was That was the struggle, I think.
0: When you think, consider the entire journey that you've been on, what was the single hardest thing that you had to accomplish to get from where you were to where you are today?
2: I think probably saying no to things that I enjoyed doing but actually didn 't contribute to the bottom line or didn 't contribute effectively um, mm. and saying no those opportunities I think I, that's yeah that 's probably the keyest thing is actually saying no to those opportunities there 's a reason that I owned thirty businesses, and that 's because I saw an opportunity and I took that opportunity and I just acquired another business and the minute I had twenty five hours in the week, those opportunities needed to be passed by. I needed to look at these opportunities and say, Oh, I've got an idea here. Oh, I could create a new business there. Oh, we could create a new revenue model there. Yep, I could. But unless I can actually get somebody else to implement it, someone else to do the work, and I'll just put
0: the strategy into place, not really going to happen. And I think that that was the toughest thing. It's it's interesting that when I've... Since being in business with Gary and Jay, I, I heard the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire is a billionaire doesn't lift a pinky to chase an opportunity until they found the perfect person that can step in and that can be their opportunity inside the billionaire's world, which that's Gary's whole model. That's the reason I am here. And all my conversations, were not all of them, a, a good majority of my conversations with my partner Jay lately have even been around to, he's looking at all the things on my plate and he's going, dude, you got to say no to more. There's stuff that you're saying yes to that we need to cut, that we need to eliminate. How can you interrogate all the things that are on your plate and ask the question, is this absolutely essential? And if not, how do we put it on the back burner? My question for you who's listening to this, where in your world are you telling yourself the story that to have the life that you want, you have to add instead of subtract? Where in your world are you adding more things, more complexity, more priorities to try to achieve your goals? And is it possible that maybe you would get there faster if you did less? John, there's a a quote in the book from FM Alexander that people don't decide their futures. They decide their habits, and their habits decide their futures, I heard you mention in this episode, the word habit. So walk me through your journey to forming Power Habits. I'm
2: now a habit master. I would absolutely completely agree with that quote. And I think it's now the reason that I've had the success I have. But if you go back a few years, it certainly wasn't. And it was my habits were just what I'd fallen into. They were I wasn't choosing my habits. My habits were just random collections of little behavioral quirks that I'd picked up over the years. And it was only when I discovered the one thing that I thought, actually, this it it does make a difference. And I knew that okay, what I'd done when the child arrived, this is why it works. This is why I've had that success despite working less. And I thought, okay, this needs to become a habit. And I had a mentor at the time and he was Certainly drilling into me that you need to make this a habit. It's no good doing this. And actually, you've killed it today. You've had a brilliant day. You've had a fantastic day. Really productive. You've brought in some serious revenue, some serious numbers on the lead generation side. But what about yesterday? Uh well, I was I was really busy yesterday. You know, I was, I was I checked lots of emails. I got, I got all my paperwork in order. Um, you know, I managed to tidy the office. It was a really, really good day. He said, Yeah, but How many customers did you get? Oh, well, yeah, uh, two, maybe, I don't know, know, uh, probably one. He said, let's have a look at the stats. Oh, yeah, it was zero. He said, so your really productive, really busy day generated a zero. He said, today, you've been on it. You've done what you should be doing. And let's have a look. Oh, you've generated 73 customers today. He said, we need to make this the benchmark. This needs to be every day, not... This isn't the high tide mark. This needs to be the par. This needs to be what we do absolutely every single day. And I think that's that was a real struggle for me because I want to get everything done. You know, I had I was used to having a massive, massive to do list and actually cutting that down again. We talked just now about what not to do, what not to choose. That makes a big, big difference, I think.
0: For you who's listening, where in your life are you going from day to day and you're celebrating those days that you really crush it and on all the other days you're celebrating the fact that you were busy when in fact you should be holding yourself accountable because you weren't effective? Exactly. Exactly. We all know what it feels like to to, to feel like we have to do it all, to feel like we have to get the paperwork. We got to check email. And I know there's some of you that are listening to this right now that are going, but Jeff, I got to check email. I got to get my paperwork in order. Yes, those things matter. The question is if you could only choose one, getting more customers, checking email, which matters more? In a strange world where you only get to do one, which matters more? You know the answer for your role. The question is, do you, number one, have clarity on what your priorities really are? Are they in order of priority? And are you acting in order of priority? John, I think you're a perfect example of this. You're the type of guy who celebrated busyness versus effectiveness. And the result was 100-hour work weeks that would have led to a strained marriage and a distant relationship with your son. Exactly. You flipped it you got clarity on your priorities. You started acting in order of priority. And the truth is, are you making more money or less money now? Oh, more. (laughs) More more money. Is your stress higher or lower now?
2: So much lower. I am Zen master now.
0: And your relationship with your wife, closer or more distant?
2: Absolutely closer.
0: Relationship with your son, closer or more distant? Oh, on an
2: unbelievable different. It's just a different level. It absolutely is. Do you still check email? Oh, I do check email, yeah. When I schedule my time to check email. Oh, intre- like like you time block it? Exactly, yes. it's
0: Oh, it works. I, mu-
2: I must introduce it. I've got this fantastic book that I could introduce you to about it. Is it about two things? Uh, it's, it's close to
0: that, yeah. I think it might be the, the three things or something like that. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> Folks, the path to getting everything you want starts by getting just one thing at a time. John, fast forward to today, sounds like you've built a great business. Sounds like you've found a way to strike great counterbalance between thriving professionally as well as personally. You've become the type of person who has the habit of forming habits. Yet we know that one of the three commitments of the one thing is the road to mastery, which is a never-ending journey, right? You are always on your journey to getting better. So my question for you is, where are you still struggling when it comes to living the one thing? I think for me, it's it's possibly
2: what other people think of me or my their perception of me. I I call myself lazy. I think I called myself lazy earlier in this in this this little chat, and I think I, I've described myself before as a lazy entrepreneur and investor. And I, originally, I didn't want to be seen as lazy because I wanted to be seen as a hard worker, a hustler, a grinder. Call it what you want, but I I I you know when I was doing those hundred hour weeks. I wore that as a badge of honor. I would go on to forums and say, oh, pulled another all-nighter last night? Check me out. You know, I, I'm a grafter. I'm a hard worker. And that was the reputation that I built up for myself. And my team saw it. They, you know, I was leading by example. And to suddenly go from that to, okay, uh, I'm doing the school run now, and then I'm going to do my work, and then I'm going to be off. I'm going to... Go to the cinema with the with the wife, or yeah, we're on holiday again, uh, or just today, for example. You know, it's a nice sunny day here in here in the UK. It's not normally a sunny day in the UK. I will point that out. This is technically our summer, but I'm sat out in the garden. Okay, I'm reading, or I'm researching, or I'm doing sort of quality thinking time. But I'm shirking. I'm skiving off. I'm being lazy, and at the back of my mind just thinking. You shouldn't be doing this, John. You should be working hard. Everyone else is working hard. Why aren't you?
0: Can I coach you on this a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I want you to imagine yourself a year from now. And you're looking back on this period of time in your life. This is no longer an issue for you. It's been resolved. You no longer have those thoughts. What's the one thing you did that ultimately led to you resolving this issue?
2: I would say it is embracing my laziness and perhaps reframing laziness as something else, something positive, something that doesn't have that negative connotation. Effectiveness rather than laziness. What are some other options? I think shouting from the rooftops about what I do. And how happy I am. I mean, everything you said earlier about, you know, the relationships that I've got, the financial, you know, pressures off. Um, I'm enjoying my work
0: more. What is a word that would capture all of that? Pride, I think. <laughs> when you consider being prideful about your life right now, what does that do for you? I've
2: just broken it into a massive smile. <laughs> my my chest just expanded. My physiology changed. I'm like, yeah. I'm I'm smiling. I'm nodding. I'm thinking, yep. Damn straight. That's 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 me. I'm proud.
0: What would be a statement you could make? Is before the old you uh, said, "I'm I'm a lazy entrepreneur." What mm-hmm. would, what's the new version of you? How would you describe yourself?
2: Oof. I Yeah, I am
0: an. Uber effective entrepreneur. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you a different question. When you say I'm an effective entrepreneur, how does that feel? Does that light you up the same way it did when you said pride? It does.
2: Okay. It does. I value I value efficient uh, effectiveness over efficiency. That that's a big thing for me.
0: Well, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So may I make a suggestion? Okay. You 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 are a self proclaimed habit master. What's the activity that you could do every day for the next 66 days that would lead to you completely reshaping your identity of who you are?
2: That could be affirmations. That could be self-proclamations. That could be the messaging that I'm sending out to my
0: clients, to my mentees. What's the one thing you can do such that by doing it would make reshaping your identity easier or unnecessary?
2: It's changing the language that I use.
0: Okay. And what's the specific measurable activity that you can do every day that would lead to you changing the language you use? I'm not sure. Okay. I want you to now imagine you just put on your creative cap. You are all knowing. All the creativity you possibly have around you is just flowing through you. If you did know the answer, what would it be? I can...
2: Do a daily Facebook Live video.
0: Okay.
2: And I can track the language that I use within that. I can set buzzwords that I need to use in certain messages.
0: What's the one thing you could do that would make doing a Facebook Live easier or unnecessary? I can make it a habit. Okay. And a habit requires doing an activity. So now we're going in circles. let, Let me help guide you here a little bit. You said you just simply need to reshape your language. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. And and I asked you what that would sound like. And you said, I am an effective entrepreneur. Can you look in the mirror once a day and verbally say out loud to yourself, I am an effective entrepreneur? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Is that easier than doing a Facebook Live video? Oh, it is. Okay. (laughs) Which would you rather commit to doing for the next 66 days? (laughs) I would take the mirror. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. So folks, the reason we just did that is because sometimes there's something that's stopping us, right? And people don't decide their futures. They decide their habits. Their habits decide their futures. And sometimes it's really hard to whittle it down to something that's so simple. And sometimes it's just because we feel like it has to be more complicated. But truth is, the extraordinary results comes from simplicity, doing less, not more. John, what do you think will happen if, imagine for the next year, every single day at one point in time, you look in the mirror and you tell yourself that I am an effective entrepreneur and you say it with that smile on your face. You say it with your chest expanded, standing up tall and straight with energy and enthusiasm. What do you think happens?
2: That is going to just radiate to people that I am proud to be an effective entrepreneur.
0: Hmm. And what will that do for you?
2: That will elevate me from where I am now. We talked earlier about how Awesome things were going, but is there room for more? Let's find out.
0: Well, John, before we wrap, where where can people learn more about you? I know you also have a book out that specifically helps small business owners. Why don't you chat about that real quick?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, so it's called Big Ideas for Small Businesses. And I wrote it as a... I would almost call it a personal development book for people who don't read personal development books. It's uh, a marketing book for people that don't read marketing books. And it's a mindset book for people that don't read mindset books. It's the book I wish I'd read when I first started out on my journey 18 years ago now. It's not written for your kind of tech startups that are looking to raise VC money and exit for hundred trillion trillion three years down the line. It's written for small Business owners for your typical mom and pop enterprises that want a little bit more. They want some of the some of the growth, some of the amazing transformations that we've seen in our career over the last 17, 18 years. But they don't trust personal development books. They don't trust the marketing industry. It's written in a kind of down-to-earth, gritty fashion that I think a lot of people, certainly us Brits, um, will resonate with. And I I really hope people will enjoy that.
0: And where can people learn more about you directly?
2: Uh, So I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, You can search for me. I'm John Lamerton. L-A-M-E-R-T-O-N. And yeah, I'm not on Twitter or anything like that. So Facebook is probably the best place to find me.
0: There you go. Well, John... uh, A personal thank you for first and foremost for reading the book and being a fan of the book for being a fan of the podcast. And I know you have been living it and sharing it with your team. And I appreciate you coming on here today and sharing the story because I think there's a lot of podcasts where they just try to feature the big name celebrities or business owners. And the truth is, I think the most value we deliver is when we talk to people like you who are normal people, working to thrive in every area of their life so thank you and and we really have a lot of respect for you thank you for having me jeff absolute pleasure well there you have it my conversation with john lamerton hopefully you enjoyed this episode folks i think like we mentioned, it's it's just so cool to have people who have read the book, who have listened to the podcast, to reach out to share their story, how they've been living their one thing, and we love to feature those types of people. So if you are the type of person who has been living the book or the podcast at a high level, and you've been getting results, and you're willing to share your story here, please email us. Email Jeff at the dot com. That's with the number one in the URL, and share your story and why you think you could bring value to the audience because we would love to have a chat with you outside of that my question for you the biggest takeaway for me was um, doing less not more right i'm going through this right now behind the scenes in terms of how do we look at all the things that are in our world and those things that we really like doing them and maybe we're getting results yet they're actually detracting from the one thing that actually matters most what can you do today to get clarity on things you're currently saying yes to that maybe you should consider saying no to. How much time do you really think it would take you to have that conversation with yourself? Would you be willing to put it on your calendar? Would you be willing to look at something that's on your calendar currently that isn't as important and say no to it? As always, our hope is that you don't just consume content, but you back it with action because that's where the greatest results will come. And if you would like to join us on this journey of figuring out how you manage your time better, we are in the middle of this amazing giveaway where we're giving away over $17,000 in prizes. All you have to do is go to the one thing.com slash giveaway. That's with the number one in the URL, enter your information. And when you do the cool part is you'll automatically be a part of this community that we seek guidance from as we write our next book based on The One Thing and as we create The One Thing Planner. So you'll automatically be in that as well as be entered to win over $17,000 in prizes. So go to com slash giveaway and join us there. Outside of that, thank you for your time. We really appreciate you and we look forward to being with you in the next episode.